0: Hello Gary Williams here Welcome to my In Conversation podcast A mishmash of chit-chats with friends and influencers across the world Now a few years ago I was hosting a UK radio show Where each guest would choose four songs And tell me why they were important to them Now due to music copyright issues I can't share any of that music with you here Just the conversation So the music's gone Which might sound a bit weird sometimes But I think it's still worth listening To what these great guests had to say Enjoy in conversation with Gary. Will- Hello, this is Gary Williams with your weekly fix of great conversation and the best music. Now, have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a pop star chased down the street by screaming fans? (laughs) Well, today's guest, well, he knows exactly what that feels like from personal experience. As one half of the 90s boy band North and South, he had hit records and a top-rated TV show. Since then, he's starred in West End productions of Les Miserables, Cats and Taboo. He was also the first non-US citizen to appear on American Idol.
1: Tom Lowe, welcome to the programme. Oh thank you, thanks Gary, thanks for having me. What's special about Take That and that particular track for you? I was a big fan of Take That when I was a teenager and I was very fortunate in that I got to be a backing vocalist in an all-male choir at a Take That concert in Earl's Court in these choir robes and sang as a as a gospel choir, they the never forget where you've come. Doing you know step touch, step clap, that kind of thing. To this day, the wall of sound of fifteen thousand screaming teenage girls is probably the loudest roar I've ever heard from any audience ever. It was insane, and it gave me it gave me the bug as a seventeen year old to get on stage and do more of that. You know, and and be. Uh, be worshipped and idolized. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still waiting
0: for that. But you, that
1: happened to you, not yeah. that long after. Yeah, about um, a year or so afterwards. About a year afterwards, I ended up as a member of a boy band in the UK myself. Yeah, called cool. called North and South, and it was a fantastic experience. We had our own TV show on Children's BBC you know it was the most popular kids tv show at the time and uh yeah you know i i did i ha- actually had that experience of you know girls throwing panties and and be- battering down the uh, boy band mobile to try and get in and screaming and asking for autographs and it was it was wild what was it like to be you know inside the van what was it like to be part
0: on the other side, we see images of stars, that happening to famous people,
1: but it's got to mess with your head a bit, hasn't it? That's a, that's an interesting point. You know, I did acquire more... You know, you, you acquire this hunger for the same, you know. So once the, the boy band falls apart, which inevitably it does, because those things don't usually last, um, it is quite hard to live the rest of your life um, and detach yourself from that level of fame, you know, and try to live a normal life and and not feel that you're somehow falling behind or, um, you know, you're not really realizing your potential to not get back to that same dizzy height again. You know, that's something that, that I've... Um, been exploring and I'm very fortunate that I, I have ha- had a career in in uh, entertainment and in singing for now for 20 years, almost 20 years since then and uh, and it's taken on, you know, different kinds of incarnations from shows in the West End and Las Vegas and, and uh, the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles and so I've had some really great opportunities but to go from you know an 18 year old who's where you're being recognized in the street and then you know not having that is yeah it's it's a certain lifestyle and a, a, a thing to to uh try to grasp hold of and not yeah it's difficult it's difficult in a way and i try to you know I try to practice principles of of humility and gratitude and and um realizing uh that it's it's important to focus on what you what you have you know and not what you lost Do
0: you think you're a better person for having had
1: that experience and
0: dealing with the aftermath
1: um i think do I think I'm a better person i think um I think I've I've had a unique window into into a certain a certain life, and um, I have managed to come to terms with you know the life that I have now, which is is not, I'm not famous, you know I'm not famous today, and uh, it's okay, you know it's 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 actually wonderful. I'm happier now than I was then. I'm a bit more at peace with who I am, and uh, back then I was um, not really appreciative of what I had in that moment. And it took me um, getting a bit older and a bit wiser to really appreciate everything that that happened back then. You know,
0: if you could have it again now, if the opportunity was right in front of you, would you be a little hesitant to take it, or would you grab it with both
1: hands? I'd probably grab it with both hands, you know. Um, I mean, I'm a, a professional singer, so if there would be an opportunity for me to become, you know, that successful where I was being recognized in the street again, then absolutely, yeah. I have to say that in the music industry, I definitely encountered a lot of personalities that... Let's say were on the darker side, um, especially in the music industry. Slightly less so in the TV industry, and then you you know you have the theatre world, which is a whole a whole other branch of personalities and. Um, You know, there's a a certain lifestyle that goes along with that and it's and it can be very dangerous for especially for a young person who's who's starry eyed and who, you know, and he just is seduced by that lifestyle. It's um, I've I've definitely gone down that road and seen the very bottom that that journey can take you on and then come back again and found found myself in a much healthier, saner, more balanced, happier place. Do you sometimes see people competing on Idol and The X
0: Factor and think, oh, I wish I could just call them up and give them a bit of advice or so? Do you, do
1: you feel worried for them? I wouldn't say I feel worried for them. Um, it's more, you know, because I, I was a contestant on American Idol and I... Um... You were the first non-American contestant on yeah, American Idol, yeah. is that right? yeah. Um, in 2000, uh 2007 and um, it was it was um, it was again a really fascinating window into how something works on the inside and because um, everybody says it's fixed right it's all
0: sort of planned in advance and the whole thing's kind of just a produced pantomime i mean did you
1: did, mm. was it what you expected it to be when you were part of that um I wasn't quite prepared for how much the focus is put on making a tv show and how um it's you know less about finding the absolute best singer or best performer and also there's a great emphasis put on the squeaky clean aspect of of the people that make it to the let's say the top 24 the the actual live show um you know and finding all these things out was was very interesting and i ended up writing a musical that was based on my experiences on American Idol and it was quite a cynical satire on the inner workings of, of reality television. Um, so I do I do cringe a bit when I see these shows now having seen having having seen what what happens on the inside um, especially X Factor actually which I auditioned for in the UK. And some of the way that the ways that people were treated behind the scenes was really quite shocking on that show, yeah, just um mind games, people being put in high pressure situations just for the point of making them break, making them cry, um, not feeding people for long periods of time, putting them in rooms and not allowing them to speak with their knees touching each other. That sounds horrendous. Yeah, it was pretty miserable, and so but by the time you get to perform, you haven't eaten in maybe nine hours, and you've been told to sit in silence with a bunch of strangers with, with your knees touching each other, and then you get you know then suddenly you have to perform in front of Simon Cowell, and it's, it's, uh, it's very bizarre. Very bizarre, and I'm not sure. I think that they're, they're trying... I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish by that, whether it's um, make people make people's emotions become heightened or make people perform in strange ways so that they can be ridiculed. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. You're listening to Gary Williams in conversation with Tom Lowe. Tell me about your next record. My next record is a song that I wrote while I was in China. So I, um, I studied Chinese language in, uh, in Beijing and also at Harvard University in, in America. And on one of my trips out to China, I met a couple of locals who were sharing a cab ride with me to go visit this, this glacier in the mountains that I had to write about because I was working for a, a travel guide Uh, let's go travel guide which was a budget travel guide for students and um and i thought well what a great idea to write a pop song and have these two locals help me write it in mandarin and have them you know i'd tell them what i wanted it to be about and they could help me make it rhyme and make it grammatically correct so it was a four-hour journey, and by the end of the trip, we had this original pop song. <laughs> Sounds better than counting blue cars.
0: good <laughs> way to spend your time,
1: right? <laughs> I spy. Yeah,
0: let's take a listen. In
1: conversation with Gary Williams. It's called Jiayuguan. Uh, Jiay- Jiayuguan. Yeah, Jiayuguan, and that's the capital city. It's the name of the capital city in this particular province, uh, Gansu province in in, in north-central china where um where this particular journey in the in the cab started from and you wrote that song with the help of four locals yeah i i gave them i told them what i wanted to say i wanted to be very simple so basically the words are you know i went to the store and tried on some clothes but they didn't fit i went to the movies but the movie was boring i ate some food but it wasn't very nice but then i saw you and all my troubles melted away it was like that. that kind of... sounds much nicer in mandarin <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave them the idea they they translated it or you know helped me translate it and then i so i had this these lyrics and i went home to back home to england and wrote the music on the piano
0: you are a cultural attache for harvard university is that right
1: yeah, um that. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um this was another trip to China. Uh the Instructor of the Harvard Club of Tiger Crane Kung Fu. He's got a long business card. <laughs> he happens to be a descendant of a former abbot of the Shaolin Temple, which is the center of Kung Fu in China. It's where Jet Li was trained, and there's there's a movie called The Shaolin Temple, and it's you know it's one of the most famous temples in in um, China and you've, you visit it and you can see the, the monks performing their martial arts you know they're, they're balancing on spears and doing all kinds of, of tricks that just seem to defy British monks logic. don't do that kind of stuff do they? No, they just sort of quietly go about their business Shave their heads and yeah. pray a lot
0: You're listening to Gary Williams in conversation with Tom Lowe You've chosen one of my favourite
1: Portuguese Brazilian songs Introduce it for us I picked this song Desafinado mostly because George Michael is performing this particular rendition and he's been a huge inspiration for me, not only vocally but also in my songwriting. Let's take a listen. That's George Michael de Safinada, one of the great
0: Portuguese-Brazilian songs, and uh, that was the third musical choice by today's special guest, Tom Lowe. You've recorded your own album. I think you recorded songs in six languages, was it? Or you speak six languages? Five. Oh, sorry. It's, time, it's about time you learned another one.
1: <laughs> so what, 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 what was the inspiration behind the album? I was living in LA and I had all these songs, and I wanted I wanted to record them. So I found a producer on Craigslist, and um, <laughs> and uh, and, we, and went over there, and he gave me a good deal, and and it we went from doing a piano demo to. Him bringing in all his musician friends, and you know he would produced Smokey Robinson and Gino Vannelli, and he was he was giving me this really great deal. And so on every track, we had about five or six different recording sessions, bringing in different musicians. Then we'd do it, you know, with vocals, and we'd we'd record the vocals multiple times and pick all the best parts, and and. Um, During all my travels through through the world, I've ended up accumulating all these songs in different languages. One of them is based on a poem written by someone I met in Venezuela. So that was in Spanish. And then one of them was a song that uh, that I wrote in English and I had somebody that I met in, in Brazil translate it into Portuguese. And then I wrote the music around the rhythm of the Portuguese language. And then finally, I I sang the version of um, Autumn Leaves, the standard in the the language that it was originally uh, written in in French. How
0: does it feel to listen to uh, a song, a composition of your own, something that only exists because
1: you thought of it? It feels great. It feels it's the same as if you know I just write a poem. Which I often do. I'm on a flight and I'll just randomly write something. And then it's this feeling of creating something from nothing, you know, starting from just absolutely nothing. And then after a little bit of work and a little bit of thought and a a bit of a creative twist here and there and 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 an idea that is, um, you know, pleasing to the ear. Um, And then you have this little piece of art. Um, it's wonderful, you know, it's, um, I don't have any children. And so, um, it's nice to leave little, little pieces of things behind. Right. Are you still ambitious? Yeah, I am still ambitious. Um, you know, I have, I have all kinds of goals for the future. Um, I'm also... You know, I'm I'm ambitious to see the world as well. I just love to travel, and any opportunity I can get, I like to be on the move and seeing parts of the world. I just visited the Iguazu Falls in in um, I went to the Argen- Argentinian and the Brazilian side, and uh, it just it I just feel that it feeds me. You know, it feeds my soul to to see these things and. Um, I find it very difficult to to stay in one place for too too long a period of time. I get quite quite bored easily. So, do you like to travel alone or with other people? I like both. Uh, it it's very hard to find somebody that you're compatible with enough to travel. Tr- travel with extensively because you're with that person 24 hours a day. You know, you're with, usually you'll share a room and you'll, you know, you'll be traveling with them all day. And and because you're in a strange place, you don't tend to go off and do your own thing. So it's quite unusual to, to meet someone that you can share that experience with and it be an entirely drama-free, argument-free um, experience. So I, I do... I do like both. I like travelling by myself. I'm perfectly comfortable travelling by myself. I think the nice thing about travelling on your own is that you're more
0: inclined to get out there and talk to other people and meet other people. I think if you're with mm-hmm. another person or especially in a group, it's so easy just to be a little bit lazy and just to stay within the safety
1: and comfort of that group. Yeah, absolutely. But that kind of defeats
0: the object, part of the object,
1: of travelling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the major... Parts of traveling is meeting the people. You know that's just as big a part of um, getting a grasp of the culture as as seeing nature and and seeing, you know what whatever that place has to offer, um, from a touristic point of view. So, um, I do like that side of of traveling alone. You know, and I tend to be more. I tend to write more when I do that as well because I have more time by myself. So that's mm. another positive aspect. Your last record, Quando Chove No Rio, uh, is
0: this your own composition or someone else's?
1: Yeah, this is the song that I wrote when I fell in love in Brazil and um, arrived. I arrived back at the hostel that I was staying at with my younger brother and his girlfriend and, and a bunch of people from from Britain and Copacabana in Rio and uh, just after having met this person and um, everybody was um, asleep, and so I sat in the breakfast area and I wrote this. You know, it's full of inspiration because I felt like my heart was going I'm crazy. In love, and in love, I'm in, love, in love. love. Yeah, I wrote this song, and it happened to be, it was raining at the time. So I thought, well, I wrote this poem about how there's nothing to do in Rio when it's raining because everything that I wanted to do, whether it be visiting the the Christ statue, or the Sugarloaf Mountain, or the hand gliding—it or, or just go to the beach because it's obviously a very beach-oriented place. None of those options were open when it was raining, so you know what a nice title of a song. You know, there's nothing to do in Rio when it's raining. It was, it was just kind of whimsical and a little. A little bit funny, and but also that I tried to make the music very, very light and happy and upbeat so that it wasn't a depressing song, it was more of a, a fun, light, boss and over track. Tom Lowe,
0: thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch and hear more interviews just like this one, head over to my website, garywilliams.co.uk.